Welcome to the fourth question, a special edition of the Big Three podcast. Sometimes we come across a topic, an idea, or a question that is too big for the Big Three. Sometimes the answers aren't as clear cut as we'd like them to be, and we need to give the time and space to really dig deep. That's why we have the fourth question, because no question is too big when it comes to diving deeper into God's invitation for us all. And so today we're going to be talking about a topic that seems to be coming up more and more within Christian Bible studies and discussion groups, and it's the topic of of deconstructing one's faith, that process of questioning preconceived beliefs, of reviewing what we know and understand regarding our faith, with the purpose of strengthening and deepening our discipleship. So joining me for the fourth question today is Mark Rader and Loxanne Lawler. Welcome, <laughs> Mark and Rox. Hey. hey, Matt. I looked at Rox and said Mark. I looked at Mark and said Rox. I feel very confused right now. Who's who? Where are I we? I do not have facial hair. No. Just, okay. just a confirmation okay, on cool. that. For That's everyone how listening you can at tell. Home, for everyone listening, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's the only difference. That's, That's it. it. Yeah. That's it. Uh, that's yeah, fine. I, I can work with that. I can work with that. It's great to have you guys here for the fourth question. Always a big, big discussion for the fourth mm, question. Yeah. Um, and obviously, this this topic of deconstructing faith, at least from my perspective, seems to be something that is has been bubbling up a lot more in recent months and maybe even years. Um, just to start us off, this isn't the fourth question, but like, do you guys see this as a new topic or do you see it just being something that's being discussed more openly these days? I, I, I don't think that it's a new topic. I think the language is a little bit new. Yeah. And we were just chatting yeah. before, like, you know, uh, Roxy said it's like, it used to be called the crisis of faith. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's know? what we know it as. Which, which sounds a... real yeah. bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Deconstruction probably sounds a little bit more hopeful. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe not. No, no. It's like a midlife crisis, right? You know, but for your spiritual life. So, you know, kind of like, who am I? What do I believe? You know? And then everything gets a bit thrown up in the air and resettles again. So okay, so resettling suggests some hope, some which hope. is good. It does crisis, less so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like like any crisis. Yeah. I think some can be of greater or lesser severity, mm. right? You know, mm. um, I think what I think what's changed around is not just the language, but the I'm going to say like the speed with which that takes with which it takes place. Mm. Uh, and I think it seems that, again, this is this is kind of anecdotally more than anything else, that more people are asking more questions all at the same time. Yeah, about yeah. matters okay. of faith, mm. um, and that that crunch has created a different kind of crisis. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so, like I think, you know, without kind of getting into the the topic material more deeply, <laughs> but you know, like I think that part of my journey of faith and towards maturity has had a number of like little crises of faith. Mm. And I wouldn't say that it was a crisis of faith, but it was just a matter of kind of, you know, as you said, you know, kind of realizing that some of my assumptions were assumptions mm. <laughs> that some of my preconceived ideas were preconceived ideas mm. that yeah. there were other ways to understand and think about things. And that, mm forced to rethink it, forced to reshuffle it, it forced me to do some of that hard work. Mm. And I think that's a really beneficial thing, but when it gets done really, really quickly in lots and lots of areas without the right kind of support, I think it can become a deconstruction mm. without the reconstruction. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, 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 I think that's been my experience of it. Mm. And I think what 
I think what makes us a really excellent fourth question is I think that more people are asking more questions yeah. right now. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what it is exactly about this time, but that's, that, yeah. that seems to be my feeling. Yeah. yeah, I would say so. I think part of it's probably pandemic related, you know, that that's sort of thrown a lot of our, you know, normally normal, you know, rhythms of life, you know, completely the, out yeah, the window yeah. and, and we've had some time to think and reassess what's important and what's not. Um, part of it's, you know, crises in um, the church. You know, we've seen some massive moral failings and, mm. and some people that we thought were, you know, absolute, you know, pillars of the church topple. Uh, yeah. So that's, you know, thrown a lot of people, you know, who may have put their faith in Jesus, but part of their faith may be put on the institution of church or yeah. individuals in particular. Yeah. So there's a lot of that that's in the air. And yeah. so then, you know, any of that, um, I guess it's a sense of insecurity in people's faith and, yeah, and what wow. is it they believe and what is it they're resting on. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Reasons. Well, like I said, it, it seems to be something that is coming up a lot more. I hear the term of deconstruction thrown around in in a lot of circles, a lot of conversations. I think you're right, Mark, in that people are asking more questions all at the same time. So it does create a lot of noise, I guess, um, which is why we want to talk about it. How how do we go through this process? Should we go through this process? And if we should, um, is there a is there a right and a wrong way, or or maybe better yet, a helpful and an unhelpful way of doing that? So all that being said, let's get into the fourth question. So to kick us off, and and Mark, I'll throw this to you first. Um, What does it mean to deconstruct our faith and what should we be aware of during that journey? Yeah, I mean, I think that the the deconstruction of of our faith is – you know, as 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 the term suggests, it's kind of pulling it apart a little bit and looking at all the different components. Mm. And and I I think that there's real value in that because I think ultimately that's where we end up with a maturity around our faith. Yeah. Right. If you can't ask questions about what you believe, then you're gonna your your beliefs are going to remain quite simplistic. Yeah. Right? Mm. Just because you've never really looked at it very carefully, Mm. right? But if you really want to understand how something works, if you really want to understand how things fit together, you do need to kind of pull them apart a little bit. Yeah. Um, You know, kind of look at all the composite components and kind of go, okay, this, this is, this is what I've got. And this is how these things work together. I think, you know, think about issues of faith or theology and certain, certain beliefs go with other beliefs. Yeah. If that makes sense, yeah. right? So, you know, like I, I, I guess a classic is is the um the five the five-fold statement of calvinistic doctrine, right? That old uh, chestnut. Yeah. You're well, tulip? Is tulip, that, yeah, 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 not chestnut. It's <laughs> not a tulip. It's a tulip. Well, flower, not a nut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Total <laughs> depravity? Would, is that where we're going? Clearly, I'm not deconstructing <laughs> anything anytime <laughs> no, soon. Apparently not. I'm not even sure if there's a five. Well, a pecan. You could use a pecan. But anyway, no, he's, oh, wow. But, but, oh, but, how does he do that? He just does that. And you know what? If we pushed him on pecan, he'd probably be able to give us the calvinistic statements, starting with those letters. Maybe. I'll stick with tulip. Stick with tulip, But like the whole idea that total depravity, yeah. right, is, what is, yeah. is T. And because we are totally depraved, sinful, and unable to save ourselves, then that leads to the um, unconditional election, right? That because we can't save ourselves, God must save us. Yeah. Mm. 
right? And and so those and those two things go together, right? Yeah. They yeah. kind of make, shall we say, logical sense. Yeah. And lots of times we can end up with a theology that doesn't make logical sense. We mm-hmm. just kind of got a bit of a buffet and we've kind of put it we've all filled the plate. up the plate. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. there's value in kind of pulling it all apart and kind of going actually, I have some things that I believe that yeah. are not really aligned with other things I believe. Not compatible. Mm. Right? Um, so I think that there's lots of benefit to that deconstruction process. And I think it is the pathway to maturity, right? To be able to say, I actually have a mature understanding of my faith. I understand mm. how it works. I understand w- what my beliefs imply about mm. other beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and therefore also that I've done some thinking about opposite views or differing views yep. or variations within mm-hmm. and I recognize their strengths and their weaknesses and I like done some of that work. And yep. that's that's maturity. Do you know what I find really helpful about that Mark is like in terms of like what is deconstruction because mm-hmm. I think you know we talked about crises and now deconstruction is like a nicer way of saying it, but it it seems like there's this negative connotation to it, that things are falling apart. And I think Mm. it's the way you've just described it though, is that it's quite an intentional, if you're going to deconstruct something, you don't just come in and bulldoze it and go through the rubble. You Mm. take piece by piece to kind of intentionally do it over time. I think that's, that's probably the best case scenario. I think, <laughs> well, I mean, in the reality is most of the time, you know, as I said at the outset, I think I've, I've had many little crises mm-hmm. of faith mm. and it's, 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 again, I wouldn't put the emphasis on the word crisis, but mm. it's that whole thing about reading something or sitting in a lecture and just realizing mm. that there's a completely different way to understand something. Yeah. That is that it I might had, also make sense, like, and it might also make sense, and yeah. it might make a lot more sense than what I currently believe. Yeah. And you just kind of go, "What?" <laughs> and so there can be a little bit of a bulldoze, and there can be a little bit of that sense of, "Oh, like I thought I had this figured out, and I do not have it figured mm. out." And that can be, even in a safe space, can feel really unsettling. Yeah. Right, mm. particularly if there's a bunch of assumptions and ideas that you've kind of, kind of built your your spiritual yeah. house on. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, maybe not. Mm. You know, I, I remember I kind of I used to speak about it a little bit like, you know, you get all your kind of theological furniture, you know, all yeah. nicely arranged <laughs> and there's a place for everything and everything in its place. And then something would happen that would essentially move all of your furniture into a much bigger space, like a warehouse. And yeah. suddenly yeah. all your nice, neat, little, your perfectly designed room, room mm-hmm looks really lonely in this massive yeah. warehouse and you've really got to kind of figure out well, where, where, how do things fit together now? So it, I think it, I think it can be really unsettling. You know, when we get to talk about kind of a safe way or a helpful mm. way or a useful way to, to engage with this, I think one of the things to recognize is we, we do, we run the risk of losing our faith. Mm. Right? I think the, one of the, my concerns about listening to the deconstruction mm movement, the conversation is that it often seems that it is a deconstruction, then nothing gets rebuilt. Mm. Everything just gets pulled apart and people go, yep, there's too many problems, too many questions, too much uncertainty. I'm done. Mm. And they walk away. Yeah. Or the crisis of faith becomes the shipwreck of their faith. Mm. And so nothing gets rebuilt and that's not maturity, (laughs) right? Not in terms of maturity of faith. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I I would, I I think it, I, I would like people to hear that there is a positive outcome to this. 
Yeah. Mm. But I do think it is worth noting that it can feel really unsettling um, to, to go through that process um, because you have to display a certain degree of humility, mm. even just to listen to other views. And, and I mean, like really listen to them and, and try to understand what they're saying and not yep. judge them before yep. they're yeah. done, but just yep. kind of, okay, try to get my head around it. Then to, to compare what you believe and, you know, often our beliefs are instilled in us by our parents, mm. by really significant leaders in the church mm-hmm. to whom we have not just a, a, any relationship, but a really significant relationship. Mm-hmm. And so to question some of the things that, you know, my dad taught me or that that youth leader or that pastor or that life group leader, you know, taught me and they lived it out and I really respect and value them mm-hmm. to question that. Mm. brings another layer of complexity to that. Mm. So it, it can be a really disconcerting experience. And, and I think, you know, I, I think that that's, yeah, I think that's, that's part of the risk. Um, and, and I think what I'd want to say is that it's worth the journey. Mm. I, it's worth the journey, but like anything that's new and different, any change, yeah, there's, there's, it, there's going to be a little bit of, Oh, what's happening? Things are seeming to fall apart. Yeah, and again, I need to come back to I think what prompted us to to consider this. It's when you start asking multiple questions on multiple fronts. That's when it's and all, everything yeah. feels wobbly. Yeah, it's yeah. not just one area. Mm. You know, like I took a theology class and I never thought about this element of theology, and now that feels a little bit weird mm. as I'm thinking it through. To basically say no, every area of my spiritual life is just up for grabs. Up for grabs. Yeah. That's that's a really disconcerting uh, mm. place to be. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that um, like that that's that unsettling feeling in in how I'm hearing deconstruction spoken about. Like it has kind of become this hot topic that's mm. being discussed around. And I th- I think you're right. Like what you said before. We're in a time where more people are asking more questions all at the same time. I think that's probably one of the reasons why it's become a bit of a hot topic. But I also think that's that theme of fear mm-hmm. of the unsettling um, experience of deconstructing one's faith is also one of the reasons why it's become a hot topic because it seems to me, and I'd be keen on your kind of thoughts mm-hmm. on this, like it seems to me that there are s- – there would be some who would avoid that process or even say that that process is an unhelpful one due to the fear that, one, it's unsettling, but two, like if everything comes falling down, can you even rebuild it? Yeah. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think that there's – and I I think there's probably different sources of that fear mm. or anxiety, however you want to frame yeah. it up. You know, I think, you know, for instance, when I hear particularly you know, young people who are going through that, I mean, I fear for their faith, mm. you know, because, you know, you look at the trajectory that they may be on and you think, oh, where are they going to go? Yeah. What's going to happen out of this? Mm. And I can't control the outcome, mm. right? Um, and, and yet – if I were given the choice between someone who blindly and simplistically believed what I told them and someone who had a mature faith, I think I'd choose the mature faith. Mm. Mm. 
And so, when, even if it was rocky oh, yeah. and uncertain at times, which means yeah. that you know you, you gotta you gotta let people ask those questions. Yeah. Mm. Which I think is, a, is is really critical in terms of the church's response. Mm. You know, to be able yeah. to say it is okay to ask these questions. But I think that, you know, um, there can be fear from the individual's perspective yeah. as well. Like yeah. a recognition that, like, am I going to lose my faith? This has been mm. so important mm. to me for so long. Mm. Am I actually going to lose? And that's a scary place to be. Yeah. And and I think there's, you know, there's I mean, layers, you know. Yeah. Am I going to lose the respect of my pastor, yeah. of my life group leader, of my youth group leader, of my parents, of my sister, of my, you know, like of these influential people who will disagree if I, you know, or if I end up in a place where I disagree with them, this might have relational implications. Yeah. Like, so there's layers of fear. It's not just, will I lose my salvation? Right. Or will I lose my faith? Um, It's, there's all sorts of stuff. Will I be able to still be part of this community of faith, for instance, mm. yeah. if I hold to something different. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think that there's, I mean, would I say legitimate anxiety around that? I yeah. think probably there is, you know, um, you, you count the cost, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and yeah. there can be a cost in that space. And, and again, I'd like to think that the, that the outcome mm. potentially is, 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 is worth that. But, there's uncertainty about it. And yeah. I, you know, I think that that's, that's really, that's, that's a huge challenge. Mm. It's a huge challenge. Mm. Yeah. What do you think, like, to go back to what you said, like more people are asking more questions. If, if you could rattle off a short list of what you think the, the dominant questions are that, more people are asking. Like, what? What do you think are the are the key questions of, of theology and faith mm. that are being asked by Christians today in in our current sure. context? I mean, he says post pandemic mm-hmm. more Very in pandemic. more in hope than sure <laughs> than truth. But you know, in a post pandemic world where that really impacted church mm-hmm. and our experience and expression of church and. Yeah. You know, saw some. You know, we're experiencing war around the world. Like, there's a lot of things that are going on that are kind of rocking people's faith mm-hmm. and and leading them to ask certain questions. What What do you think those questions are? I think that the big ones that I kind of hear most frequently are um, questions around hermeneutics. So the art and science of interpretation, particularly, obviously, hermeneutics, biblical hermeneutics. Yeah. So just the realization that you know, five people can read the same passage and it was six different opinions. About yeah. It, you know? yeah. That's huge. That's yeah. huge. And so who's right. And how can you say that you're right mm. when there are all these other opinions and how do you know how to read the Bible? Like all mm. that, like hermeneutic questions are really big. I mean, there's been a bunch of questions that I've heard around or pushback oppositions, questions around um, the violence implied in the dominant evangelical um, theories of atonement. Yeah. Right. So that Jesus had to die and that God, you know, like that whole God sent his son to die mm. for our sin. And it had to be by blood and sort of the like wrath of that. God. Yeah. You know, I think the wrath, the wrath of God links in yeah. with that. I think questions around say, particularly hell, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. You yeah. know, and, and and I'm not sure whether I'd want. I think I'd probably want to to kind of delineate between theories of atonement, and particularly, you know, can we? What do we do with the violent images of mm-hmm. atonement, and mm-hmm. what if we focus on nonviolent? theories of atonement and yep. what's lost and what's gained and mm-hmm. whatnot. I think I'd want to delineate theories of atonement from the doctrine of hell, mm. but I think they're related because yeah. of that wrath. The, the hinge yeah, seems yeah. to be the wrath of God yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and kind of what that's all about. So those mm. seem to be quite significant doctrinal issues. Mm. And then I think the, um, the question of um, the LGBT community. Mm. I think to some degree, I reckon that that and the internet slash social media Mm. are perhaps the sources of this increased question asking. Mm. Mm. Um, You know, the inclusion of, um, you know, the LGBT community across our wider community is of course an incredibly hot topic, Mm. but in many ways has become, um, you know, their inclusion has become a centerpiece to most liberal democracies, Yeah, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Um, which then raises all sorts of questions around ethics and morality mm. and inclusion and love yeah. and, right? And you see how these things link together because then you've got questions about, well, isn't God love? Well, if he's love, then what do we do with the wrath? And so now we're and if questioning love, the character of God. Right, and, and, and what do we do with hell and the violence? Yeah. Like, so they, they, yeah. they're all kind of linked they together do, in yeah. this sense. Um, what do we do with sin? Can we, how do we read the Bible? So what the Bible has to say about sexual sin, does it mean what we think it means? And some people would say that it does. And some people would say that it doesn't. And some Mm. people would find a way to figure it out. Like, so all of these questions kind of link together, but I reckon that has been an enormous kind of piece. I I suspect, I suspect that the sexual revolution in in the late sixties and early seventies had a much bigger impact on the church than it's given credit for. Yeah, wow. <laughs> uh, in yeah. lots of ways, um, just because of of how it managed to um, to kind of unmoor sexuality from morality mm. and make it more of an ethical and rights perspective. Mm-hmm. Like so, so, I think there's this, and that's probably a. That's a that's seventh a whole, or eighth yeah, question. That's yeah, that's a huge <laughs> you know, topic. That's one of its um, own. We'll need a hot minute for that's that a one. History then, version. You know, yeah. yeah, but I also think then your know, social media then, you know, means that you know, algorithms aside, I end up hearing all sorts of stuff. Yeah, you know, uh, from all sorts of different perspectives, mm. and you know, to talk about the algorithms for a moment, it means that when I start asking questions of my faith, mm. I get led down a particular path. Mm-hmm which is not always a helpful one, yeah. but I'm led to hear other people who are asking questions mm. about the same things or who are rejecting those things because, you know, in social media, rabid opposition to one thing or another is what gets you likes and clicks. Mm. And, yeah. you know, so, so that gets amplified and gets that's amplified what comes and, up in your know, feed, the most extreme version. Yeah, and so you end up trying to have these conversations while dealing with the fact that I know some gay people and they're really nice, yeah. mm. and my social media feed's going off, mm. and I'm trying to have this conversation about my faith, which feels really unsettling, and it's just yeah. this kind of recipe for, I think, for disaster in lots yeah. of ways. So yeah, I think I think hermeneutics, nonviolent That's theories right. of atonement, yeah. um, hell, and, and the LGBT questions mm. in terms of inclusion and, and, and whatnot, I think 
I think those seem to be yeah. the big. If I had to, if I had to kind of talk about four, yeah. those would be my big four. Yeah, I think if I could add a fifth, and Rox, you kind of spoke yeah, to flag. this. I think yeah. it's the like, what is the church now? I think that's a big yeah. question. I think you're right. Some of the, mm. um, some of the, for lack of a better word, the scandals around yeah, yeah. the church. Yeah. Um, even not just specific to. Um, particular individuals but you know mm. it was only a couple of years ago that the royal commission yep. concluded and yeah. um and you know some horrific stories there and and then and then of course church could no longer f- function in the practical way and i choose that word very <laughs> specifically in the practical way in which it had for 2000 years mm-hmm. and people had to kind of rethink well then what is the church yeah. what does it what mean does to it be gathered? at church yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know yeah. what is corporate yep. prayer worship yep. yeah i'd agree that that you know the the deconstruction of ecclesiology right there the you study go. Ooh, i knew we'd bring the big another, word that's a whole i always get ecclesiology question. and eschatology mm, right, mixed up right, right. for right. obvious reasons i think uh, just to con- um, can we just confirm for our listeners that ecclesiology is the church and yes. eschatology is the end times thank you yes. thank you very good it, either way it could be the e and pecan and you know what somebody is going to write in going you started talking about tulip and you gave the first two and like the whole lip that never got addressed so somebody's going to limited atonement irresistible grace and perseverance so we're so round up the tulip we're so sinful that God has to elect us because God's election always works then the atonement is limited to those who he has elected not to those he has not and if God has elected you he is going to irresistibly call you and you cannot not say no, and because you have been elected by God, you will persevere in your faith. And that's Calvinism. That's Calvinism specifically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So one, that's yeah, not yeah. universal to all Christian nope. belief. No, nope. no, no. It's just <laughs> that's that's a no, particular no, 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 no. theology. That's something that you might yeah, even yeah. deconstruct. Some yeah, would say. absolutely. <laughs> that's true. At some point true. in your faith. Yeah. Well, my, I mean, you were, <laughs> we went on for a bit of a tangent there, but that's okay. <laughs> that's did. what we do. It's what we do. I love it. Um, but I, as you were kind of talking about, you know. Social media and how that plays a role in yep. in what we hear and and how we kind of start um, or, or can be influenced in in this process of of deconstruction. You know, can we start to get to the the practicalities? Like, what kind of advice would you give to anyone mm-hmm. who is starting this journey? Who who is starting to ask questions? Starting to rethink? Starting to reconsider? You know, yeah, their beliefs. I think that one of the most important things for a deconstruction of our faith that leads to reconstruction and to maturity mm. is to do that in a safe space with trusted people. Yeah, mm. and and I think that uh, I would like to assume that if someone is asking questions about their faith, it's because their faith is really important to them, mm. and that ideally yeah. they would like to retain their faith. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and if you want to retain your faith, you need to speak to people who have gone on the journey ahead of you, mm. done a little bit of deconstructing themselves, mm. have reconstructed their faith and are mature enough for you to ask the questions. Right. Yeah. I think one of the, the great challenges for, you know, someone like myself in pastoral leadership is I would really like to help people who are asking questions. Yeah. But I think often they feel that they can't ask those questions in church. Mm. Right. They can't ask those questions of their past. They can't come up and say, Hey, like yeah. 
hell like for real yeah (laughs) you know for fear that i might go well yeah hell for real and you're heading that way mister (laughs) 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 but you know you know yeah yeah, absolutely that's their fear yeah right yes Uh, and and i think that the again the church universal i think too often that has been our response yeah you know, yep. it's been that response of you can't ask that question mm. here, or at least we have presented that you can't ask that question yep. here. And if you can't ask the question in the, in, in, in the church, you're going to go outside of the church to yep. ask that question. Yep. And that means you're going to be asking the questions of faith among those who have either already jettisoned their faith or are suspicious about faith. Mm. That's not a great place to retain your faith. Yeah. Right. You're like, you're, you're, yeah. you're the people you hang out with and allow to influence you will influence you. Right. Yeah. So you need to find people within the church who have that maturity, who, who are okay with people asking questions. You know, mm. um, you know, I think I've been blessed that on a couple of really key occasions, in terms of my study and other places, I've been able to ask a question and I have been met with non-judgmental information. Like, like you know, people saying, yep, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. And just having someone say that's a great question, you kind of go, it's a great question. I mean, it's not a damning question. Yeah. It's yeah. not a, yeah. it's not a heretical question. It's just a yeah. great yeah. question. Yeah. And, and, then, and then I've asked a great <laughs> question. <laughs> but belief, I, right? Yeah. That's yeah. relief. Mm. And then to be able to say, and what that allows then is to say, well, let's explore that, mm. you know, and then it's like, okay, so I can ask the question and now I can explore a little bit. Mm. There is a sense yeah. of relief. I think that's a great word rocks. And 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 there's there's freedom in that space mm. that uh, is incredibly valuable. Yeah. Uh, and so I think you know I sometimes wonder if the church doesn't need to create a bit of a parachurch organization, <laughs> you know, a, 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 an organization alongside, yeah. which is not an independent facilitator. Well, like, <laughs> you know, where it's it's the church. Like we we've got our faith here, mm. and we really want you to retain yeah. your faith here. Mm. But we're going to allow you to ask the questions, yeah. and we're going to have the conversations. Yeah, yeah. Great. and we're going to talk about different views and. You, you you may make the decision that you need to move on. Mm. Right now that, mm. like that, right there. Because if I'm going to be, if you're free to ask the question, mm. I need you to also know that you're free to come up with a different answer. answer. Yeah. And again, that's, I think, where the church is like, I would struggle with that. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of going, oh, I'm losing them. Yeah. You know, like. And I guess that's where the church's response Although at times unhelpful, you can understand that it comes from a place of of fear and that fear is from a place of love. I I want you to have your faith. I'm scared that you're going to lose it. I want to say the thing that will fix it. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, you're just going to plaster over it and do the surgery. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know. One of the one of the images of the church is the flock of God, right? And Mm. you know, the imagery of the flock is often associated with the threats, like the vulnerability of the flock, mm. yeah, right? And so as a shepherd of the flock, you want to protect the sheep yeah. from the wolves, mm. from the, the, the shepherds who don't care for them at all. Yeah. But they, mm. So you, you, you do want to protect. And I think there is something like for many people, you know, being exposed to so many different views and not having the 
not having the the, the filters to mm. kind of sift mm. between them. Mm. Like I, this is years ago now, but when the Da Vinci Code came out, uh, you know. First sermon I ever heard you preach. Oh, really? Was, wow. Yes, I came Gosh. as a visitor to GBC wow. and you, you preached on like ultimately it was a massive hose down. Like you were like, everyone just needs to calm down <laughs> about the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> and he's about to do it again. <laughs> well, right here. I mean, you know, like, I've done enough reading in church history yep. and enough reading in theology. Like I'm not a theologian or a church historian of any note, but like I've done enough reading that when I read the book, I was like, yeah, an interesting piece of fiction, but like it's fiction. Yeah. yeah. And it's obviously fiction. Like it just makes it blanket statements. But I was someone who had read enough theology, enough yeah. church mm. history to kind of pick it and go, he's just yeah, making yeah, that like, up. <laughs> but for lots of people who had never read any church history and hadn't really done any kind of theology, they were spun out. By yes, it, yeah. it yeah. was. You know, and, and and again, it's not because I was, you know, I was able to see so clearly, but I just had enough of a lens to yeah. kind of be able to read it and go, yeah, yeah no. that's not what it says. <laughs> it's like, and so then to hose people down a bit on it. And I think that, you know, for many people, they encounter so many different views. And again, this is, you know, social media, the internet, all that kind of stuff, mm. so many views. And they, and they often just don't have... Um, a lens mm. to kind of look at things or a filter to kind of sift stuff through and go, mm. okay, what's, what's actually going on mm. here? Yeah. And because, you know, social media tends to be kind of the edges yeah. of views, you know, you can end up with those extreme mm. views, which are stated in very categorical ways yeah. and it's very black and white and all that sort of things. So look, I think that, you know, you, <laughs> you, you, you've got to have some of that space mm. where you can go, you know what? You can ask the question. There's some freedom here to to yeah. to yeah. To, to explore, mm. but you know that's that's the risk of it, right? Mm. That's the risk mm. of it. Mm. You know, um, you know, I said the you know earlier, you know, the difference between having someone with mature faith who's kind of gone through that process. I love that, but when they start out, you're like, oof. Mm. Just keep it simple, yeah. <laughs> you know, like just yeah. just stick with it, like. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that, and this is, I think, why it's also worth talking about. You know, yeah. yeah. We need to be able to, and again, to you guys' point, if we don't allow people to ask the questions in the safety of the community of faith, yeah. they yeah. will ask them someplace else. Yeah, they will. They will. And we will end up papering over deeper concerns. Mm. And sometimes you just got to let people ask those questions. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, I think one of the, one of the benefits that I found of, of, you know, further education, further theological education, is it just opened my eyes to the breadth mm. of theological positions. Mm. And again, you know, there's some that I wouldn't agree with, and that's fine. But there's a whole bunch that I'm like, I can see where they're coming from, <laughs> you know. Mm. And I would say it's broadly in the ballpark, mm. and you know, like all those sorts of things. So I, I think that it has, uh, at least I would, I would hope that it's fostered in me a little bit of humility mm. to go. Listen, I, I know what I believe yeah. and, uh, you know, about many things, not everything, but I know what I believe and I've come to a reasoned position and lots of them. Yeah. And in many cases, I think my beliefs are aligned with one another. Like they kind of go mm. together. Mm. But uh, there are other valid ways. And so allowing people to ask questions, like I find that, you know, so one of the reasons I love teaching the Bible is I think often people come with one way of reading it. <laughs> and as soon as you point out to them that there's other ways, 
there's that sense of relief mm-hmm. and there's that sense of, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like we can explore a little Here bit. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah we can. Yeah. yeah, we can. And and still be on the and still not be heretics, like <laughs> like a long way from heresy. Yeah. Like we're just yeah. uh, you know, so I, I think there's there's something again, in its best sense, mm. as unsettling as it can be, can also be very energizing. Yeah. Because you're exploring, you're rethinking, you're reshaping, and often what you're doing is you are you are personalizing your faith. Mm. Right? I think for me, that was that's probably the heart of my journey of faith, that the faith that I was given, right, has become my own. Mm. Yeah. And in that process of making it my own, it's changed. Um, yeah. What I was raised in is, is no longer where I find myself. Mm. But I feel that my faith in Jesus is stronger. My faith in Jesus is more robust. Yeah. Um, I'm thankful for my heritage, even if I no longer agree with it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, mm. uh, and thankful for the people along the way who have both been open to me having a different answer. Mm. And those who have been who who said to me, you can ask that question, and it's okay. Mm. Uh, and, and so I think you know, I think the, the original question was, what's a practical way for you? Got to <laughs> yeah. find yeah. some people who yeah. you know who have a mature faith because if you want to, you know, what do they say? You know, you want to know where you're trying to get to. That'll determine how you go about it. Mm. If you're trying to retain your faith and grow to maturity, then find somebody who's got a mature faith who you can ask those questions of. Who isn't going to go, you can't ask that. (laughs) You know? Also, just um, listening to you talk, you mentioned you had some crises of faith, like multiple ones. I'm just aware that there's different people on different aspects of the journey and they're they're at different stages. And you start at the beginning talking about um, almost like you were dismantling some sort of machinery and Mm. sort of taking it apart, seeing what the elements are and then kind Mm. of putting them back together, which is in in my mind's like almost like you're taking part of radio and seeing how it works, right? Um, It's quite forensic. But for a lot of people, they're probably not up to that stage. You know, maybe they've just got like a big station wagon and, Mm -hmm. and they're faith elements and it just shoved in there, higgledy-piggledy. <laughs> yeah. And they just and, put it in neutral and, they just, and hope that gravity <laughs> yeah, pushes yeah, it exactly. along. <laughs> so maybe maybe other people are at the, a different stage where they're not up to that sort of forensic exploration mm. of their faith, but mm. really all they need to do is kind of take the – so re, repack the boot. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You know, they've got uh, all these yeah. um, parts of their faith yep. that are, um, you know, like things that they've learnt along the way and they've just thrown it in there and it kind of doesn't fit anymore. It doesn't fit with sure. their life. It's moving around and, and they kind of need to take everything out and then restack it like they're going on a trip. You know, can you speak to that at all, like the different stages that people might be mm. at in their deconstruction? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's – I mean, I think that the level of complexity to which you are willing and ready to go is yeah. is certainly, um, I guess, different stages of faith. I mean, I, I'm not sure if this directly answers your question, but I would encourage people to kind of stick with the question that's most on their heart, right? Yeah. You know, um, yeah. one of the – one of the best ways to learn is to learn what you're interested in, right? Like, yeah. mm. you know, I think one of the challenges we often have at school is that we just have to learn calculus, do, yeah, Shakespeare, calculus and Shakespeare. <laughs> and I like kind of, Shakespeare. Yeah, I know oh, you sorry. do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I might say you algebra, you're not, <laughs> not my vibe. But it's kind of one size fits all, right? Yeah. This is what you have to learn. And one of the nice things about you know university and further education is after you get your core subjects out of the way. There's a bunch of flexibility in that. Mm. And, you know, I always say to people, learn what, like, what are you interested in? Learn yeah, that, you great. know. Um, I encourage my students to to read when they're done their 
degree, but to read in stuff like read in an area that you're interested in. Mm. So I think if there's a pressing question, don't feel like you have to deconstruct everything. You know, like, you know, like if you're thinking to yourself, I've never heard the word hermeneutics until today. Oh, great. I'll add that to my list of things. (laughs) Basically, if you, if you don't care, don't worry about it. (laughs) I just set it to one side. Mm. Um, uh, Focus on kind of, kind of where your heart is, because that Mm. will provide you with motivation um, and interest. And and I think that's, that's, I think that's valuable. Mm. Um, I also reckon that it's worth noting that there are probably various stages of answers, right? Like there's a sense that, you know, you, things get wobbly and you're like, okay, I've never thought of another answer. Mm. And you think about the the second answer that you've been given that caused this little crisis of faith. You Mm. kind of go, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. And you might just settle there for a while and go, great, that's good. But it's going to take some time to figure out, okay, so now I believe B instead of A. Still call myself a Christian, right? Mm. Because it's not a heresy. It's Mm -hmm. just a different way of seeing things. But what are the implications of B? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the implications of B, one, two, three, actually have some implications for something else that I believe. Yeah. Mm. So then you start kind of following kind of down the rabbit hole a little bit. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to do that all at once. You don't have to kind of, you know, I talked about having your theological furniture rearranged. It's not about making sure that everything is in its place and everything has a place. That's not when you've arrived. No. No. No, you think about moving into a new house. You know, when, when have you moved in? It's when the last box is in. Yeah, that could be years. <laughs> well, but the last box is in. Yeah, it might yeah, still yeah, be yeah. in the garage. Yeah, yeah, but it's in. From our last seven moves. Yeah, so yeah. we've never opened it, but we keep moving it. But, you know, and then, then there's varying degrees of settled, mm. right? When you've actually emptied the last box yes. uh, and you actually do know where the spatula is now, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, and which drawer the silverware goes into mm. and, you know, where we're going to store things. And so there's varying degrees of settled on those answers as well. And I don't think we need to rush. I think you need to be kind of Great. to the point of comfort almost to yeah. kind of go, yep, I, I'm comfortable with that answer for mm. now. And I can move on. I, I can I can continue in my faith and there'll be other questions. Great. I can, I can address those later, but don't feel like you have to answer them all at once. Mm. But I, I do like the idea of, you know, that rearranging what's in the boot. Mm. You know, I think that there is value in thinking about what you believe about things. Mm. Often, you know, one of the unsettling things is that we've never asked questions about stuff. Mm. You know, like I think for many people, you know, to come back to hermeneutics, I've just assumed that the way that my church reads the Bible is how you read the Bible. And yeah. like, why would you be any different? And mm. there are different ways of reading the Bible. And <laughs> so you, and you can end up feeling like a little bit of a noob because you're like, I've never even thought of these questions yeah. and they sound yeah. fairly important. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, what the heck's wrong with me? Yeah. And, and, and so I think you, know, you, need to be, you need to allow your curiosity, which again comes back to having somebody who isn't going to go, you've yeah. never asked a question about hermeneutics? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, please. Like someone who just kind of goes, mm. yeah, these are really, they're great questions yeah. to ask and yeah. here's some other questions, yeah. but not someone who's going to go, oh, you should have asked this like years ago. Yeah. yeah. Someone who you can be curious yeah. with yeah. Um, and, and, and ask the yeah. unbidden questions and yeah. You know, yeah. Like all so those sorts of things. So I, like, I think that- safe and not alone. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and, like, so and I think one of the reasons why my journey of faith and little crises of faith, I think have, have you know, hopefully led to maturity or at least a sense of settledness it's because I haven't done them all at once. Yeah. And I've had those places where I've been able to have the conversations mm. and- it's kind of, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there, um, yeah. working things through. And and now I find that I'm 
kind of comfortable enough um, to to look at beliefs and go, yeah. okay, what do I think about that now? And to do some reading and, you know, f- for those of you who may be listening, there's a series of books. I think they're published by Zondervan, I believe, but um, I think they're called the Counterpoint Series. And they're, they're, there's a whole series of them where they have like, you know, three views on divorce and remarriage or um, two views on hell or four views on whatever it might be. Mm. And they have different authors who will present their view. Yeah. And then in some cases, the other two or three authors will reflect on that first bit. Yeah, wow. And talk about what they agree and where they differ. And having them all in one volume is so helpful. Yeah. (laughs) Because what it says right off the bat is there are four legitimate views here. Because we've published them all. Mm. All four of these people disagree with each other on their final – on the final form of the answer. Mm. But what they'll end up doing then is they'll say, you know, so I read Matt's paper on – you know, the chapter on what he thinks about hell. And I agree with him on these three or four things. I differ with him on these things. Yeah. So helpful because one of the great, one of the great sources of learning, of course, is to read people who you don't agree with. Yeah. Now that takes some maturity because you've got to be able to read it and not just kind of throw it down as soon as they say something. Flip a table and <laughs> yeah, flip like, a table. Heresy, and right across the room. Just kind of, you know, like listen and go, yeah. okay, I'm not sure I would have read it that way. Yeah. I'm not sure I would have thought about yeah, yeah. it that way. But just kind of go, okay, that's their opinion. And then thinking about it. And so those, the, yeah. you, you've got it up on your phone. Yeah, Marks. there's lots of them. So yeah, you're right. There's the counterpoint them, series. And they are the, yeah. the counterpoint, you know, like four views on hell, two views on women in ministry. Yep. Yep. Four views on eternal security. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So uh, like yeah. I read, I read something on, um, uh, it was like, I think it was four theories of atonement. Um, yeah. It was really helpful. Really yeah, helpful. Um, and, and it just tells you something about the topic. Mm. Um, and you know, allowed me to kind of think it through and look at various views and kind of go, yeah, I agree with that. I don't agree with this. I think I'd find myself in that position or over this position. Here's why. Really a helpful, really helpful way forward. Mm. Oh man, there's so, so much, much yeah. so much in that. But I think I think what my hope is is that by us asking this fourth question, mm. by us starting this conversation, um that that it's provided what you were talking about, Rox, yeah. that safety. Yeah. That 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 safe space to kind of to kind of go, no, it it, it is okay to ask those questions. And again, like you said, Mark, that you know, that that some people might be nervous or apprehensive to ask those questions of you because mm-hmm. uh, do I want my senior pastor to know that yeah. I'm asking questions that I'm about asking this, questions yeah. about this. Yeah. but to just kind of, I hope that above all else that this has given anyone listening um, permission yeah. to, to ask the questions that they feel they need to ask in order to um, mature their faith. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and again, you know, like you almost have to, because what can happen is I have the question in my heart. Mm. Yeah. I don't feel I can answer it. I start looking for answers outside of my faith community yeah. because I don't feel like it's, it's the place where I can ask those questions mm. and there gets a greater and greater disconnect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I become, you know, in the, I guess in the, in the standard definition, a bit of a hypocrite. Yeah. Mm. I have a face that says this, yes. but deep inside I'm yeah. like, I don't think I believe I don't that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and while there's, 
you know, you want to find some safe people to talk to this stuff, talk this stuff through. Mm-hmm. Often these questions are not things that you want to necessarily publicize. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. you know, you yeah. stand up at, you know, at your church and say, Hey, I'm just having some serious doubts yeah. about, yeah, you know, not. like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. <laughs> um, so there's always going to be a bit of a disconnect of saying like, you know, I'm still kind of, I'm on board, but mm. I'm asking these questions, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. you, and that's not a bad thing. That's part of the process of mm. differentiating your views. Mm. But if you're not allowed to ever bring those back so yeah. that you can actually kind of in a public way be able to say, actually, I see things differently mm. now, that that's detrimental mm. to our yeah. spirituality yeah. because I'm hiding mm. rather than, you know, because I think whenever you're asking questions, you're reconstructing yourself too. Mm. Right? You're reconstructing mm. your answers to faith. and. Mm. So there's always a disconnect between what I would say, I believe, and what I'm thinking through. Yeah. So that's okay. That's part of the process. Yeah. But they've got to come back together. Yeah. You know, that's right. Or you end up, you end up, yeah, um, in in a, you end up a little bit stranded Mm. um, in your faith. Yeah. I also think that's, there's something to be said for God actually inviting us into this. Mm. Like that, that the Lord is like, if we believe that God is God and he is in control and he is in charge of our lives, like, which I do, I think that process of deconstruction and reconstruction, mm. um, you've got to be aware uh, in my perspective is that God actually invites us into this. You know, God yeah. is the God of growth and change. Mm. Uh, you know, like you, you think of animals that have a, an exoskeleton, you know, and they grow out of their, their, you know, f- frame, you know, like crickets or whatever. Snakes. Uh, snakes. There you go. Yeah. Kind of the, the stick, most commonly Most commonly one. I knew something that <laughs> someone did. else did not. Well done, go. I, I was going to go crabs. But. Yeah, crabs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, well I had stick insects. Yeah. Yeah, and well, okay. um, <laughs> I remember the, I, wow. n- I knew nothing about them. And um, all of a sudden, one of them looked really unhealthy. It was just terrible. It was cracking up. I'm like, I'm killing this stick insect. Fresh leaves. Get more. Fresh leaves. Um, next minute, there it is, you know, cracked out of its, um, its excess skeleton and fresh and new and like twice the size you know Mm. it was huge Mm. um like it literally doubled in size Mm. practically overnight and and for me this process is quite similar to that you know that we have these ideas and and our you know small understanding Mm. of who god is and what it's all Mm. about we think we've got it together we don't have it together you know and god actually invites us into this kind of process and says you know i've got more for you and yeah it's going to crack a little bit and it's going to feel weird and you might feel alone but you know i'm with you through this and, and mm. he's going to bring people if you let them mm. in that journey with you. And, and yeah, maturity is growth and change yeah. and, and that continues throughout our life. Mm. It's a super positive thing. Mm. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you look through scripture and, you know, the number of times people ask pretty outrageous questions really, yeah. right? and, or say and do things and God doesn't kind of overreact. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, if I God's hosing them down. <laughs> well, a little bit. I, I think yeah. that we, you know, um, yeah, I think it's worth reiterating that, you know, we do want to, the, the aim is maturity, yeah. right? So we yeah. don't want to lose our faith. No. And, and in that, I think God certainly invites us to yeah. growth and maturity. Mm. And we can ask the questions of, you know, what we've, heard and believed yeah. and understood mm-hmm. God yeah. and it is it isn't something that we should disconnect ourselves from either God or for the or from the church mm. um because I think that's where you can end up in pretty deep water yeah pretty yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah pretty quickly right on so well, thanks so much, guys. It's a big question. It's why it's the fourth question, but mm. I really appreciate your guys' input today. Mm. Thanks, mate. Well, thanks for joining us for this week's special edition of the Big Three podcast and our deep dive into God's invitation for us all. 
We hope and pray that this conversation has been helpful for you as we all seek to grow in our understanding of who God is and how we are called to live in a relationship with Him. Remember, there's no thought too small, no question too big.